welcome to episode four of the Radio Gaga podcast. I'm your host, Justine Pajowski, and today we are talking about the 2002 debut album by Justin Timberlake, Justified. Other than doing most of my research on the internet, my other sources for this episode included the Lance Bass book, Out of Sync, yes, that is the real title, as well as the Netflix special, Justin Timberlake and the Tennessee Kids from 2016. I remember as a kid, I had this really, really bad bout of insomnia. It was a couple weeks. It was around 1999, 2000, so I would have been in, I think, the fourth grade. 18 years later, I'm realizing this was probably just early signs of anxiety. But anyway, I remember being in the basement of our old family house, alone, bored, and honestly kind of freaked out that I was wide awake at 3.30 in the morning for no reason. Here's the thing. I love fourth grade Justine for what she did next. Instead of laying on the couch in the pitch black just waiting for the sun to come up, little pint-sized me used the hours alone to get cultured. Movies, music, reading, crafting, and most importantly, watching every music video MTV and VH1 had to show me from about midnight until I think it was like 6 in the morning. I was fascinated with the medium of the music video because I could see the artists, learn the music, and most importantly for a fourth grader, learn the dance moves. And it was the videos for NSYNC that I was most excited to see. Whenever the videos for Bye 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 or It's Gonna Be Me came on, I'd hop up and get in character as the sixth member. I'd dance around on that worn down basement carpet, lip sync the lyrics so I didn't wake my parents up, and eventually get tired enough to fall asleep for a few hours before school. As an NSYNC fan growing up, I was never a Justin Timberlake girl. I don't know if this was your experience or not, but every girl I knew said Justin was their favorite member of NSYNC. So of course, I had a super hipster attitude about it and decided that Chris Kirkpatrick was going to be my favorite. Chris was the one no one else seemed to like much, but he was the bad boy. He had dreadlocks, piercings. It's possible I made questionable dating decisions later in life based on those exact qualifications. Another story for when we know each other better. As I grew up and my music taste changed, I think my subconscious started developing an appreciation for Justin Timberlake that I don't think I was aware of. I didn't listen to any of his solo stuff after NSYNC back then, except for the singles on the radio. But now, it's 18 years later, and I am super impressed with, like, everything he touches. When did that happen? That's kind of what I'm hoping to find out today. Justin Randall Timberlake's musical career began when he was 11, as a little country singing honky by the name of Justin Randall on the TV talent show Star Search. This show was arguably the proving ground for even more star power than its predecessor, American Idol, having spawned hit artists including Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, Alanis Morissette, Leanne Rimes, Usher, and Girls' Time, who would later change their name to Destiny's Child. In 1993, Timberlake was selected to be a cast member in the Mickey Mouse Club, where his castmates included future girlfriend Britney Spears, 
future tour mate Christina Aguilera, and future bandmate J.C. Chazé, as well as actors Ryan Gosling and Carrie Russell. In 1985, the late record producer and later Ponzi scheme kingpin, Lou Pearlman, hoped to follow up his success putting together the Backstreet Boys by starting another fresh new boy band. Pearlman recruited Timberlake, who then recruited his Mickey Mouse Club friend JC to be in an all-male singing group, which eventually became NSYNC. Side note, let's just really quick talk numbers here for a second. From 1996 to 2002, NSYNC took the world by absolute storm. But they only released three studio albums. That's it. It was just the self-titled in 1998, No Strings Attached in 2000, and Celebrity in 2001. I mean, they had the Christmas albums too, but... Other than that, the rest of the band's discography was just made up of greatest hits albums. For as few actual albums that NSYNC put out, they had a ton of airtime. released 18 singles and 24 music videos in their career, but they only went on tour four times. Crazy. Anyway, it was around 2001 that Justin Timberlake began thinking he might be better off as a solo act. Nothing against the guys, but he was the clear frontrunner of NSYNC. He wrote a ton of music. He started doing collaborations with Pharrell Williams and Timbaland. And do you want to know what pushed him to finally take that leap? was a phone call with Michael Jackson. So NSYNC has a song on Celebrity called Gone. And Justin Timberlake wrote this initially for Michael Jackson, not NSYNC. It would have been a great Michael Jackson song, but he turned down the opportunity and that's why it was instead recorded by NSYNC. Shortly after that, though, Michael Jackson had a change of heart and called Justin and said, I actually want to do Gone with you as a duet. And Justin was like, well, I've already recorded it with NSYNC. Maybe it could be like an NSYNC featuring Michael Jackson situation, but... Michael was very clear that he just wanted it to be a duet with Justin. And that was the point that Justin kind of figured, all right, I'm really good at writing music. I can do this. I can be a solo act. NSYNC went on hiatus in 2002 and would never release another album. In 2003, right after Justified released, Rolling Stone named Timberlake the biggest pop star of the year. The article said that even in his short solo career, 
the singer had already attained the one thing that most pop stars don't ever attain and the one thing Timberlake wanted the most, credibility. Even then, 15 years ago, it was clear that Timberlake was onto something really special. And his debut album, Justified, is where it all began. So let's go back to 2002 with my friend, Hannah Hawkins. I'm delighted to welcome Hannah to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to chat with you about Justin Timberlake. Me too. So tell the people about yourself. So Justine and I have been friends for a couple of years now. We actually met in her formal life as a wedding planner. Ah. I was a bridesmaid in one of her weddings. Those days. And I have a background in sports marketing. That's what I do currently. And I actually came about to sports marketing because of dance and my involvement with dance, which I think has been my biggest uh, connection with music and you'll see today a lot of memories that I have with Justin Timberlake and with NSYNC are connected to dance which was my passion growing up and still my passion and um, I'm excited to go down memory lane. Let's start there then. Let's talk about what we were both doing around 2002 which is when Justified came out. I was like 13 or 14. Yeah I was 12 so that's sixth grade right because I think I always think 2000, I was in fourth grade. So then so you're in sixth, would be grade. sixth grade. Okay. Just my prime. I mean, I <laughs> probably was, well, I know, I was just super attractive looking. And <laughs> so I probably had the biggest crush on NSYNC that you could possibly have. And JT was my favorite. He was. Yeah. And I was an NSYNC fan over Backstreet Boys. I just connected with NSYNC a little bit more. Honestly, I did too. And my experience was that all of my friends loved Justin Timberlake. And I wanted to be like the one who didn't. Well, I liked Justin because he could dance as well. That was, I think, in my head. I was like, one day I'll dance. I'll be his backup dancer. It'll be great. (laughs) Never happened. But, you know, that's fine. In your head, though. In my head. (laughs) Yeah, probably a lot of times in my head I thought about that. Um, But... I started thinking about songs that came out right before Justin went solo, and when NSYNC released Dirty Pop, that was the first dance audition song I had for, like, a dance team. Really? And I think that was, and I was in fifth grade auditioning for the middle school dance team. I think that that was the first time I went, oh, wait, I can dance. Like, I know how to do this, and people think I'm good at it and so every time I hear that song I mean I was like a scrawny little fifth grader dancing to dirty pop I'm sure now like (laughs) luckily those lyrics went right over my head your parents are probably mortified and like still really supportive (laughs) don't listen (laughs) but to me I I, even listening to this album that we're going to talk about a lot of those lyrics went totally right over our head oh they were so catchy and so fun that we were still innocent and we were the exact target audience for them that that was super fun to grow up listening to NSYNC and and then later JT. I think a lot of the songs on the back half of Justified are 
very raunchy. Yes. Like, really, really, really raunchy. Well, I didn't even listening to the album. I listened to the album a couple of weeks ago in its entirety in the car. Still didn't catch on. <laughs> and then finally when I got, once I wasn't in the car and I read the lyrics as I was listening to the songs and reading them written out, it's like, oh, no, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I mean, he was one to make a splash with his first album, for sure. <laughs> you had said earlier before we started recording that when you listened to it, you forgot that some of the songs had existed. Mm-hmm. And I think I think after Justin left NSYNC, I might, might have been a little salty. And I didn't fully let myself enjoy his solo career. Yeah. Because I was like, what, why are you going to leave now? And I was... I hadn't quite realized until you sent me some of the background on NSYNC that they only released three albums. So they, even though they had massive popularity, they didn't really do that much and they weren't around for that long. Right. Um, he wanted to do something very different and it we didn't quite grasp what JT was trying to do in his first album. I think with Justified, Justin very deliberately tried to separate himself from his NSYNC days. And I don't blame him for doing that because he wants to be taken seriously as a solo artist. And he ended up being taken seriously and loved by millions. But I think there are some songs on Justified that could fit so easily onto the last NSYNC album. And we'll go into that a little bit too. But, I mean, I like I like this album a lot. I think it's kind of top-heavy. The first half is... The better half. Totally agree. And the second half, I kind of am like, all right, I'm kind of I'm kind of done with it a little bit. But, well, um, especially some of the slower songs, which I, I'm assuming they just never played on the radio, so we didn't hear them. You know, Spotify didn't exist. Social media didn't exist. So we weren't exposed to anything that wasn't just a music video either exactly. on TV or wasn't on standard radio. Uh, but some of the slower songs, I... I would not have been drawn to them anyways as a younger sixth grader. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I was also, overall, I was surprised every single song is about women. They were all love songs. Yeah. Or, or sexy mm-hmm. time songs. <laughs> sexy time songs. <laughs> but it was very, it, I realized it was very cyclical because it went, it was kind of a poppy, upbeat, hey girl. What's up? Come sit in my lap, kind of dance. <laughs> how or, you doing? How you doing? <laughs> or it was a heartbreak song, mm-hmm. or it was a every single song is about a, a woman. Interesting. Um, You're which right. I want to know who he was writing with. If he was just trying to cover every scenario with every woman he's ever been with, because it was very. It to me, it didn't feel like there was a flow to the album. It it either was a heartbreak song that immediately jumped to a new love song and then went back to heart. I, I mean, this might have been, well, I know for sure that the Heartbreak songs were about Britney because he broke up with Britney Spears like right before Justified. I think right before Justified came out or right before he started recording or during recording or something like that. But that's when in the making of Justified that was happening in his life. Um, that's what Crimea River is about. Going back to the sad song right after a really happy song right after a let's go and do stuff song like that seems like his life maybe at the time and it could have been that he was like super sad over the breakup and then he was like no Justin snap out of it we're gonna go out to the club tonight 
And then he would get up in the morning and be like, all right, I need to like get my life together. And I, I don't know that for sure, but that seems like maybe his, his thought process kind of aligned with the track listing on Justified. That's very realistic of going through yeah. relationships. Oh, then. yeah. They are not linear. No. It is like one day you wake up and you're super amped to go out and meet new people. And then the next day you're like, I'll never get over you. <laughs> you're always on my brain. Yes. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. So maybe that's why he put the tracks where he did. Wow. He was very insightful. You know, he wrote and recorded this in a six-week period. Wow. Like, real fast. And I think maybe he had some of these songs written before he left NSYNC, just, like, in his head almost. Mm -hmm. uh, but there was, like, a huge creative spurt. And he's actually spoken to that. He said that that creative spurt was reminiscent of the period of time back in like the 60s and 70s when musicians would just get together and they just jammed and they just worked out out of inspiration. Um, they didn't like put a bunch of thought into the music beforehand. They didn't they didn't nitpick the music. They just kind of went in the studio and kind of did it. Um, I'm not saying that he improvised everything on this album because he definitely did not. But there's no like calculation to it. There's There's kind of a flow to it. And I think that's part of how he did his track listing is he wanted a sort of flow to it that maybe felt like what was going on for him at the time. Well, that makes me appreciate the artistry if, if, <laughs> as yeah. much as the lyrics like were making me laugh once I really got into them. That makes me appreciate it a lot more that he was writing it and producing exactly how he was feeling and what he was going through right then. So yes, yeah. that's, that's super interesting. He earned four Grammy Award nominations for Justified including Album of the Year, and he actually won for the Best Pop Vocal Album for Justified. Wow. How about that? The album has sold more than 10 million copies worldwide. That People love their JT, man. They do. They love it. <laughs> do you know if he – so something that I learned about him, because I went to one of his concerts, and that's definitely one of my – favorite memories with him. Um, I went in 2013. Uh, he was, he played in Yankee Stadium in New York and he played with Jay-Z. How talented he is instrumentally. Oh my gosh. I mean, he played an instrument with almost every time, every song he was performing. When Jay-Z was performing, he was on stage playing an instrument, backing him up. Uh, I didn't quite appreciate that or know how talented it was. I think I knew he played the piano, but I didn't realize all the other instruments that he was playing. He is very, very multi-talented. And I think that's part of the reason that I've grown to appreciate him more as I've become an adult. Because you don't really realize as a kid that musicians aren't just like a pretty face and a curly head of hair. Like they are really good at, at their craft. And, you know, sometimes with pop music, it's it's harder to tell, especially when everything's so produced. So synthesized It's synthesized, now, like... and you can't really... I have, that, I have that problem with a lot of pop stars lately that I know, for a fact, have incredible voices. And they're just kind of reduced down to this very electronic, like... Like computerized... Computer, yeah. It's computerized oh, yeah. music that appeals to a lot of people, but... It doesn't really it doesn't really show off their range and it doesn't really show off the talent that you know that they have. I wonder if there will be a backlash against that as songs start to sound more and more similar and we're losing that uniqueness if that's gonna 
That's an interesting thought. And I think part of that is what you were saying about being at the show is that when the when they get to a stage, some of these performers can do just what Justin did where he shows off all of the cool talents that he has. Well, and I was thinking about that after I went to the concert where I, I wonder if he was playing instruments on this album or other albums. And you would never even know that if you're listening to an album. You're right. not seeing him play. Um, and I wonder why I didn't know that before the concert or, um, I mean, he might, he might've just been learning while he was on the road too. I don't know how long he's played all of these instruments that he plays. Um, but yeah, that's, that's definitely something I hope starts to kind of fizzle away. Is that like super distilled, like almost dumbed down version of what an artist is serving up. Right. Um, just because that is what is trendy right now. But also with, when I went to his concert, another takeaway I had was that he performed so many songs from this album and it was 10 years, 11 years later. And those were the songs that everyone got up and was singing along with. The fact that they have stood the test of at least a decade of, of still being popular and and we've grown up listening to those songs as well. I mean, I think his biggest hits came from this album um, as well as the next one, and, and that's I think sometimes hard for an artist to get hits right away. That's super impressive. Well, have you watched the Netflix special, Justin Timberlake and the Tennessee Kids? I started watching it, <laughs> and then I got distracted, and I have it queued up, and I haven't finished it. No, I have not finished well, it. Well, you've seen him live, so you have had a better experience, yeah. but I, I just watched that recently, and it's pretty cool to see him, even though he's a solo artist, pulling in live musicians on stage with him. He has a whole brass section. He's got two electric guitarists. He's got an entire, you know, he's got a whole team of dancers. He's got, I mean, all these amazing instruments and all these musicians that are excellent at their craft. And he knows that he can't do it all. So while he can, you know, he can sit at the piano for a song or can sit at the guitar for a song or two, his job is to be Justin Timberlake and to be that like front and center guy and to dance his ass off too. Like he was right. dancing. Right. I was very excited to see that. I love seeing him dance. He puts on a good show. Let's talk about the tracks on Justified. Let's do it. Let's start with the first one. I noticed when I was listening to this song and some of the other more upbeat, poppy songs on this album, I love the inclusion of sort of narration. And he has other people on doing vocals in this song, but I like when he stops singing. He go, he jumps back and forth between singing and sort of narrating. Mm-hmm. And you feel like he's setting a scene and like telling a well, story. Well, he's got like the sexy more. voice yes. too. And he's just talking. And I personally, I like this song because I saw the... UF dance team do a dance to this song with a group of guys. They had like a local male hip hop team do, and they sort of did like a dance off battle between the girls who were the dancers at UF and then the guys. And I saw it before I auditioned when I was still in high school and I saw them perform this dance. I was like, I have to do that. Oh my and gosh. So every time I hear this song, it takes me back to that time in high school where I was like, ah, oh, I. That's my ultimate goal is to be on this dancing. So I love this song and it's super fun. And I was dancing around and I listened to it again. I love that. Um, I love the call and response. 
Yeah. Where he's like, I want to try something right now. And that's when the guys and girls came out and they were dance battling. Yes. And I was like, yes, it's coming to life in front of me. Uh, this song was co-written by Justin and the Neptunes, which is made up of Chad Hugo and Pharrell Williams. Cool. Uh, later, N-E-R-D. This song was influenced heavily by Stevie Wonder. Really? Yeah. Which I can kind of see. Yeah. This is one of those songs for me, too, that I think probably could have been a song on NSYNC's last album, Celebrity. It sounds like it would just, like, fit right in. Right. Maybe that's why he put it first. Transition Maybe. <laughs> everyone from just NSYNC easy. to him. He's like, yeah, it's not, I'm not that different. I'm still Justin. Um, I feel like also, I'm not sure. Do you listen to N.E.R.D. that much? I have a little bit. Old band. This drum beat sounds like an N.E.R.D. drum beat. You can see, like, Pharrell all over this song, which is really cool because I really like N.E.R.D. Yeah. Yeah, I really like Senorita. I'm kind of in. I am. It might be might be one of my favorite songs yeah. on the album. Well, and I think that's a, so. I think about songs that we listened to growing up and playing them for our kids or people younger than us. And like, if it came on the car and the radio, if we could play it for them, because so many songs. <laughs> oh, that's I'm like, a good point. Gosh, I will never let them hear that or be like, oh, I used to love this song when I was growing up, and it's really bad. <laughs> it's a song I'm okay with being like, all right, this song. This is just like, hey, I think you're beautiful. Let's dance. Let's dance and maybe also go home together. But, <laughs> but that's... But just dance just, for now. I'm just going to throw it out there. We're just... Yep. See ya. Let's talk about Like I Love You. Just This was the first song that JT recorded for Justified. And it reminds me a lot of uh, Billie Jean by Michael Jackson. You're right. I get those vibes. You're right. There is a little bit of Michael Jackson. I think Pharrell's on this one as well. He's the... I saw that listed somewhere when I was looking at the lyrics. Pharrell produced this one. Produced it. The Neptunes produced it. Is he... Because there's like a, a rapper. There's another voice. The rap verse is done by... The hip-hop duo named Clips. Oh. Well, my favorite lyric on the whole album is in this song. <laughs> really? Yes. Oh, my gosh. So when he goes, I used to dream about this when I was a little boy. I never thought it would end up this way. Drums. Drums. <laughs> when it, I, that's exactly what I did when it played again. I was in the car go, <laughs> without <laughs> doubt, every time I hear Amazing. that, I giggle. And it makes me feel like I'm in middle school again. Drums. Drums. And then the drums start. <laughs> Not that any boy was saying that to me in middle school, but. Makes but you kind of felt like he didn't. He, you kind of felt like he was saying it to you. Well, you were like, I just want a boy to say that to me. <laughs> I've been waiting for it this moment since I was a little boy. <laughs> or I used to dream about this, whatever it is. Yeah. My uh, favorite lyric in the whole album. This song was nominated for a Grammy in 2003. Uh, for best rap slash song collaboration. Wow. So clips. Which really that's, I'm surprised since I don't know much about who he was collaborating with. Right. Like I Love You was chosen for the album's lead single. I Not did, surprising. I did see that. Yeah. This thunder is for real. I know. I Welcome to Florida. Bad storms. I know, right? Uh, okay. Let's go on to Oh No. Parentheses, oh, oh no. no, what you got. <laughs> 
Timbaland. Yes. I love him. He, which I think of him more in my high school days, the songs that I liked uh, that he did with JT or by himself. So, but he I had I, an I, album that I listened to a lot in college. Yeah. And in college. What was it called? Shock, Shock Value. Value. Yes. Yes. So oh. many of those. those yeah. Songs. Oh, yeah. yeah. I listened to Shock Value all the time in college. Yeah, that did come out right when college first started. What you got samples a portion of a song called Deb Kadruz. I, I hope I'm saying that right. This is an Israeli song from the 1950s, and it's the little flute part. The album name is Israeli Folk Dance Party. So that's where that how flute do you think part he, comes from. How do you think he even found that and thought, I'm going to put this in a song? I think they're produced. I mean, I think the producers usually seek that kind of stuff out, unless they, you know, he randomly is like listening to Israeli folk dance party, (laughs) (laughs) 1950s Israeli music. No, I, you know, I think that's the trend of sampling music from the past, I don't think is ever going to go away. You know, I think there's also always discussion of are you going to run out of, like, the fact that you have to come up with totally original stuff that yeah. gets harder and harder as time goes on. Uh, but that's interesting that that you would you would not know that just listening to the song. I am not as big of a fan of this song. This is not one of my favorites. I kind of skipped this one. I just have Timbaland on my toes. <laughs> that's the only important thing about this that's song. Thing. Out of that song. Timbaland is the only important part of the song. Let's talk about Take It From Here. Not a fan. I could barely get through this. Oh one. my god! It this was one like, is like painful. A dirge. Oh, Oy it was. Vey. It was drug on and on, and I don't even think I listened to the whole thing. It's it's like it's so boring. But do you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of Dick in a Box from <laughs> SNL. <laughs> it's yeah. not Dick in a Box, and it's all like slow and like yeah, girl. <laughs> That's what it reminds me. of. All right, so when this album came out, clearly not in a romantic time in my life. Do you think for older ladies who were, you know, in college and beyond, when this album came out, if they heard songs like that, they're like, oh, this is so great. Or like a guy plays a song for a girl. If a guy played this song for me, I'd be like, Okay, see you later. Bye. (laughs) You're boring. There's a part of me that will never be able to take music like this song seriously. Right. I can't listen to a song like this and be like, this is really this romantic. Is speaking like, to me. Yeah, this is speaking to me. No, I don't feel like that at all about this song. It makes me just the littlest bit uncomfortable. Yeah. Just with like how smooth it's trying to be. It's almost like a guy that is like too smooth coming up to you at a bar and you're just like, nope, no Did thank you, just- you bye. <laughs> Frankly, I just got agitated <laughs> listening to this song. It was I had to turn it off. So don't play this song for me, <laughs> ever. I also don't like the lyric, 
I want to be your lighthouse when you get lost. I'll light a bright and shining path to help you across. I want to be your mother. Wait. <laughs> he says that. He says, I want to be your mother. Wait. To help you across. Like the way for you, I want to be your mother. Wait. See what I see. When you see I, that. I, I just, I have, I have just all week have been perplexed by that line. Yeah. Like, I want to take care of you, maybe? Maybe it was take care of you. Then say father. No, don't say that. I don't know. I'm, I'm... I want to be your daddy. No! Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, jeez. I talked about this with Kelly in the Fleetwood Mac podcast. I am not on... Team daddy. The daddy train. <laughs> no, I'm not on team daddy. <laughs> Let's talk about Crimea River. Love this song. Love this song. Crimey River is about a broken-hearted man who moves on from his last girlfriend who cheated on him with another man. His relationship with Britney ended in 2002. And in 2002, he said this, quote, I'm not going to specifically say if any song is about anybody. I will say writing a couple songs on the record helped me deal with a couple of things. To me, songs are songs. They can stem from things that completely happen to you personally, or they can stem from ideas that you think could happen to you. End quote. Then in 2011, it took him nine years to say this in an interview. So he admitted that he had written Cry Me a River after an argument with Britney Spears. Quote, I was on a phone call that was not the most enjoyable phone call. I walked into the studio and Timbaland could tell I was visibly angry. Unquote. Timbaland recalled, quote, I was like, man, don't worry about it. End quote. And Justin said, I can't believe she did that to me. And Timbaland was like, you were my son. You were my earth. Whoa. End quote. I love it. <laughs> so Timbaland actually came up with the first line of this song. That was his, like, just saying things off the cuff, just trying to make Justin feel better after this horrible phone call. You were my son. You were my earth. Like, he's he's maybe telling Justin he can relate to that. Uh, and he actually came up. Justin was like, yep, that's a song. What a cool life. You get a, you, you're going through heartbreak. Timbaland comforts you <laughs> and writes you part of the song. I want Timbaland to just be in my life whenever something kind of sad happens, and I just thanks Timbaland. You have really, some quotes like that. <laughs> just come up with song lyrics for me, and I just write hit singles. So this song, as I was thinking back to when this song came out, I went to summer camp at Camp Montgomery mm. in the middle of nowhere. I have no idea where it was, where my parents <laughs> dropped me off. And this must have been, like, in between 6th and 7th grade. So, again, prime-looking years. And this little boy who was in my, like, group, don't remember his name. He was probably super, like, scrawny, nerdy, annoying 6th grade boy, like they all are. I remember him (laughs) during our lake time, when we did lake activities, which basically just in a pond... He swam out to this floating dock that was in the middle of this pond and stood out on the dock singing this song for all of the girls. (laughs) (laughs) And that was the first time I was like, oh, boys. Boys are cute. 
Didn't talk to him the whole time because I was terrified of him right, the entire week. But that song, I, I just remember him screaming, cry me a river, and then he like jumped off the dock into the Oh lake. my god. How would you not fall in love <laughs> with this kid? Oh I wish I could remember his name, but I don't. The one that got away. The one that got away. <laughs> At Camp Montgomery. If you're listening to this, I don't know your name, but you sang this song <laughs> on a dock <laughs> in the middle of a pond. It, it, it changed my life. You were her son. You were her earth. Yeah. <laughs> he probably didn't even know my name. <laughs> probably not. <laughs> probably not. It's all right. But you didn't know I his, survived. to be fair. I didn't know his name. <laughs> but I love this song. When it came on again, I mean... As hard as some of these songs on this album were hard to focus and listen to in their entirety, this one I could listen to over and over again. Oh yeah. There's really interesting instrumentation in this song that I wanted to talk about. He uses a lot of synthesizer, and he has some really good, like, guitar parts, but he also uses this, like, Gregorian chant as part of the song, which, I mean, that you don't see in pop music. It's so different than what we were hearing at that time. It was. It's still different. It's still different. I think it could fit in fit in well now um, as, as a hit. And I think some of his faster songs on this album, and Crimea River I consider a little bit faster tempo than some of the slower ballad ones. Like, the slower ballad ones to me are so early 2000s, 90s type of music. Yeah. And his faster ones, if they came out now, I think they would be hits. And I wonder why that is. I wonder what makes a song timeless like that. I think a lot of his music does that. And I don't know what it is about it, but I think he... It's not just him singing. It's not just his voice that stands the test of time. I think it's the producers that he chooses, and the unique instrumentation. He he just does a really good job of finding a good balance between what's a good pop song and then what's going to push the boundaries a little bit. Yeah, I agree. Let's talk about Rock Your Body. So, Rock Your Body was actually originally intended to be a Michael Jackson song. It was going to be on his 10th studio album, Invincible, but he turned it down. And I told the story in the intro about how Justin wrote the NSYNC song, Gone, for Michael Jackson initially. And so this was part of that grouping of songs, I think, where Michael Jackson was like, yeah, these are great, but no thanks. I think this song is so fun. I love Rock Your Body. Oh, I love this song. And I do kind of get a, a Michael Jackson vibe on yes. this song. I mean, I, I could totally p- picture him performing it as well as JT, obviously. I've told you that one of my biggest memories and, and coolest kind of facts that I found out about JT was that he performed this song with Janet Jackson famously at a Super Bowl halftime and caused quite... The controversy, and and it was during an era when, unless you had TiVo and you were recording the Super Bowl, 
you couldn't rewind and watch moments. When Justin Timberlake and Janet Jackson performed during the halftime Super Bowl of actually the two guys who ended up creating YouTube, Steve Chen and Chad Hurley, were watching this performance and realized how many people started talking about it and wanted to rewind or wanted to share the video of people who didn't catch it live. And that wasn't possible at that time. And it actually led to the creation of YouTube. That's so awesome. Imagine how, uh, I mean, how many times a day do you get on YouTube or share YouTube clips? Yeah, and, all the time. And what that's done for music, as controversial as that moment was. and and That was what started it all. That's what started and changed media, essentially. I mean, Unreal. Isn't that crazy? Who knew that uh, just exposed boob? Would change the but world. But she wasn't even really that exposed <laughs> to it. When they <laughs> was she? Did she have a pasty on? Yeah, she had a pasty on. She had a pasty on. Everybody. It's just a boob, it's, okay? Yeah. I mean, it was on national well, television, was, but in the middle of the Super Bowl. But when what? I was reading stuff, looking up info about that performance and how many people wrote into the FCC and were so mad. And if we were not in America, if we were in Europe. No one would have said it. They probably would have been naked the whole time. <laughs> yeah. And if she would have ripped off part of Justin's shirt and showed his nipple, her nipple wasn't even showing. Right. Look, Show I have a whole shit. I have yeah. a whole other mess of problems with with all of this, but hashtag free the nipple. Yes. Let's let's get it trending. No, but I, I love this song and I noticed on this song compared to Senorita, when he was the female voice, you know, he kind of did the fake the female voice. They actually had females singing on this song, um, going back and forth with Justin. So I liked that. It's a little bit different. I mean, we'll get into his falsetto in a second. He sounds, he has a very beautiful female voice. He can sound like a female. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, the girl's name that sings on this song is Vanessa Marquez. She has backup vocals. And she also, in her heyday, sang with Bow Wow, Usher, Nelly. So she's got a good amount of hip-hop R&B under her belt. I think she sounds great on this song, though. Yeah, I think she sounds great. Let's talk about Justin's falsetto. So falsetto is one notch above what's called your modal voice. And your modal voice is the the register in which you usually talk, in which you sing. That's kind of your normal, where you feel most comfortable vocalizing. Uh, but the, the falsetto is usually about an octave higher than your normal modal voice. And women can have falsetto too, but it's usually it's usually associated more with tenor male singers. His falsetto is really good. It adds another dimension to his music that makes him a more interesting solo artist. Well, I feel like it's become so a part of him and his performance of songs that a lot of times if a guy goes into falsetto it's jarring. You're kind of like, wow, that was weird. Why'd you do that? But with him, it feels so natural and normal now. It does. Like that's part of who he is as a performer. Which that's is cool. awesome. Which is cool. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Let's talk about nothing else. I had, I just wrote down unremarkable. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think that about sums it up. I think that kind of, that, yeah, that's, 
Nothing else is not my favorite. Why did I have nothing to say of, about this song. Why did he put some of these? I can't imagine how much time and effort went into some of these other songs and different parts or like even with the more poppy songs, maybe contractually with his album um, or with his label, he had to have X number of songs. And That he, is a definite possibility. And, and he, this was a throwaway song for him. Maybe it was. It just didn't fit how intricate I felt like some of the songs were. The more you listen to them, this one I was like, I, you could play it for me right now and be like, yep, I still don't remember listening to it. Let's talk about last night. okay it was very repetitive to me yeah it's a it's a fun jam but it is it's pretty repetitive I like Pharrell I like Pharrell being I do it. too I, I'm a big fan of Pharrell so I, I mean I like that he was incorporated into it but yeah I mean I have like nothing else yeah for this song <laughs> same why don't we move on then to still on my brain Days are long gone. I can't seem to breathe. Feels like it hasn't been that long since you walked away from me. Now I can try to act real strong. So this was a great piece of music for the elevator. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I was listening to it like, I've heard this in an elevator. Yeah. Kind of somber. Like, like Muzak. Muzak. Yeah. Yes. I can't believe that this is not a boys to men song. Yeah. Like this, this is so that like mid, late 90s, like, hey girl. Like snapping. Like snapping. <laughs> with a suit on. With it's a very t-shirt. sultry. Yeah. Very like slinky, sultry. Like, he's trying to, like, burn through my face with his eyes. But does that ever work? Has, I guess these songs work on some people. I mean, clearly, boys to men. I like boys to men. Look, they got great voices. They do. But I can't take boys to men seriously. No. And this song I can't really take seriously either. Do you know what really drives me nuts about Still on My Brain? There is this effect that you can use and you can put in songs that makes them sound vintage. And it is the sound of vinyl crackling. So when you have dust or something on a vinyl record and you play it, it the needle hops over and it creates that crackle. this crackle sound that, that sounds like you're listening to a really vintage album, which is really cool when you're listening to a vintage album on vinyl. It's not cool when it's the entire song and it's really loud. <laughs> I'm like, this is really distracting. I struggled to hear him. Yeah. That's that's a problem that I had, like, production-wise on, on this album. Yeah. This was a well-produced album, for the most part. But still in my brain, I just could not figure out why they why they had to use that sound the entire song. Not my favorite. Three in a row. This is kind of a low point on Justified. Yeah. But let's move on to... Another quote. Uh, uh, parentheses. Parentheses. <laughs> song. Parentheses. And she said, take me now. Take me now. Show me how. 
this is with Janet Jackson. I thought this would have definitely been a sexy song in 2002, but not really today. Mm -mm. Was my takeaway from it. And it was very dirty lyrics. Super racy. It was. Uh, this yeah. is where things get kind of turned. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Unjustified. He is, at this point, psyched that he's single. He's out at the club. He's talking to girls. Girls are telling him things that they want to do to him. And, like. He's like, yeah, let's He's like, go. okay. I'm game. Let's go. Let me just read you one of the lyrics from this, from this song. Take me now. I'm hungry for your loving. And she said, show me how. You got me working, honey. And she said, right now, I'm hot, just like an oven. And she said, so take me now. Boy, you make me feel like I gotta dance. Like, come on. Oh. Somehow, Justin Timberlake is never done writing songs that compare dancing to, sex. to sexy time. Yeah. That is always going to be in his repertoire forever and ever, I feel like. I mean, now he's married, man. He's got a son. He's like cooling it off a little bit, but that was that's a big theme in JT songs. But I, th which I think there is a connection, and dance can be very sexy and sultry. Not the kind of dance he's talking about is literal. Um, it's a bed dance. It's a bed <laughs> horizontal polka <laughs> dance. Horizontal polka. Do they call it that? Yeah. I mean, Do they right? call it? That? Oh my god! I'm such a prude. <laughs> Oh no! I hope I'm they so... do. Or else I just oh, made God. up something really weird. He gets very literal, where it's gross. It's not suggestive. This song like ends up being gross. Fine if that works for some people, but I don't know in what situation you would be listening to this song and being like, "Yes, mm -hmm. not for me." No, not my favorite. This one can go away too. <laughs> Let's talk about "Right for Me." I got plans in life, and you, you know what I like, and you're approaching me right, but you gotta work that thing right for me. Little baby with the sundress on, looking so damn right, so wrong. This is very dirty too. This is <laughs> so. This one's got Bubba dirty, Sparks. This is Bubba Sparks, <laughs> which which we know what we're gonna get when we go with Bubba Sparks. Look, at least I know. And Janet Jackson, I feel, is very sexy, too, and her songs have that kind of flavor to it, and that's fine, but Bubba Sparks, I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. This is going to be a racy song no matter what it is. I just don't like when things are graphically describing situate. Like, that's not sexy. And the fact that he's like, I got plans tonight, and you, you know what I like, and you're approaching me right, but I got to make sure it's right for me. Like, how much BS is that? No, that's like, not how I, it works. No, no, no. It is not how it works. I like when Justin is more of a team player in the relationship. This song and the song before this, like, he is, like, cocky, bossy. No, this is not the Justin that I love. This is, this is, this is cocky Justin. I don't like it. I like when he is it's like, let's work together. Romantic Justin. Let's get naked together. Yeah. Let's be partners. <laughs> let's be partners in this Evening activity <laughs> that we're about to do. Brief moment. <laughs> exactly. Probably just for tonight. There's a way to describe it that sounds very sexy. I think this song toes the line too much because you as a listener, unless you are like at the club, ready to just hook up, nobody can relate to this song. Right. Which maybe this is meant for a specific type of female audience that we do not fall in and it doesn't work on us. Fine. I'm fine Which with that. Fine. I'm just going to skip it. Yeah. 
Let's talk about Let's Take a Ride. like though was a nicer tone because it's about him helping whoever his lady friend is in her life she's going through a tough thing in her career and he just wants to be with her and experience some time alone with her and never mentions anything about any gross stuff this is so this so is so much more the Justin that I want to see but this is what I was talking about earlier where it's complete 180 of the song before it like you couldn't listen to the song before this and then be in the mood to listen to this song. Do you want to know why I think the songs are so different? The ones that are produced by Timbaland are, like, super racy, for the most part. This one, Let's Take a Ride, was produced by the Neptunes. So he's going back to Pharrell and that whole squad. And it's a little smoother. It's, like, syncopated rhythms, kind of cool, like, a good R&B pop song. The songs before it are just, like... It's it's a little too it's a little too much on the um like in your face sexuality. Yep. But songs like this you can actually kind of relate to and it has other meanings that you can come come up with in your own head. It's not just like let's have sex. <laughs> like that's it. Well, and this kind of song is one that you listen to and if you're going through something similar, you apply it to your own life and yeah. you connect with it and to me, those are the songs that last the longest. They, you know, stand the test of time because you remember going through a specific thing in your life that you relate to this song. And this is a song that's like that. Absolutely. All right, it's last song. Not, it's not gross. <laughs> it's not gross. Okay, the last song is Never Again. Girl, you lost straight to my face Looking in my eyes This one is like all drama. It's very emotional. It's an NSYNC slash Backstreet Boys ballad special. Served up hot by JT as a solo artist. There's a lot of drama in this song. I mean, he is mad. Is this one about Britney? Are we still upset about Britney? In this well, it, there's a note that said he never outright admitted it, but the subject is pretty obvious. So it I mean, I think it Britney. is. It's interesting that this song comes last in the album because after all of his adventures, clubbing, hooking up, meeting new people, this is the one that he kind of comes back to. It's like, yeah, all that stuff is cool, but I'm still pretty sad about this breakup. And I'm never going to forget how you made me feel right now. Right. It's very final. I don't think you completely forget about somebody breaking your heart. No. But knowing what he has now, beautiful, amazing, talented wife, adorable son. It's been 16 years. I just hope he's happy. Just, well, you know, he's into golf. Yes. So let's figure out how to Oh my god. get JT involved in, you know, we know some people that like to play golf. 
They don't even need to show up. No. Just arrange it. The guys don't have to show up. We'll go show up. What would you say to Justin Timberlake if you met him? Realistically. I would probably tell him I saw him in concert, like, what my feelings were. And and I think kind of what I said, like, at the beginning of this, that so much of his music transports me back to moments in my life where I remember, like, only learning to love dance and learning about how that made me feel and those are super happy times in my life and I I attribute a lot of his music to really happy times in my life I mean I would probably tell him that first off I'm sure everyone tells him that but I don't know I think as if I was in his place I would appreciate hearing that um I think he's one person I may get a little starstruck really around yeah he feels like he would have a very commanding presence and tell me if you agree with this having seen him live in person but seems like he has a very commanding presence on stage for sure yeah so I feel like that would probably be similar to seeing him in person what would you say to him I would probably ask him if he wanted to listen to this podcast (laughs) we ripped your album apart yeah uh, we have some feedback you should make these edits yeah got a lot of things to say about justified Justin I know this was a long time ago but listen we have some critiques You've been waiting for <laughs> years to hear this feedback. Right. Don't worry, we have it for you. We'll make you better. Um, I would I would say I would maybe say also, I think leaving NSYNC, as sad as I was about it at the time, was probably the best move that you ever made. I agree. Boy <laughs> bands kinda of fell apart and oh, yeah, never really they did. recovered. So they did. It was like That was a dead end. Yeah. That there was no it's like, it's kind of like grunge music. Like, grunge sort of lived on after Kurt Cobain died, but that was definitely a turning point in that genre of music where it's sort of the beginning of the end. And yes, we had One Direction come out. We had really young pop stars like Justin Bieber become really, really, really popular. But the boy band era, it just, it doesn't last. No. Well, and even One Direction... They all split up, didn't they? Yeah, they they all split up. And, like, the Jonas Brothers, they they split up eventually. I mean, they're brothers, but, right? Yeah. Okay. So they all split up and did their own thing. Um, There's kind of an expiration date on groups like that, I feel like, because they're very image-driven, and people age, and the people who listen to NSYNC when they were in their early teens aren't listening to that kind of music anymore. Right. It's kind of a phase. And I think as the the band members grow up, like you said, and as they get married, like, you can't be a boy band member and have a family. No. So, as they get older, they break off and do their own thing. So, JT, you definitely made the right decision. feel about the album cover for Justified? We've got Justin in a leather jacket, sexy, smoldering eyes, inexplicable desert background. Yeah. Where is he? (laughs) In front of a green screen. Yeah. Also, the font of the Justified is pretty funny. I was going to say something about that, actually. If you look at how the T in Justified is like centered my type a like ocd 
itself. It lines up so perfectly with the other letters that I'm just like, I'm fine with how this looks. I like this. This D hanging off the end. That sounds really dirty, but <laughs> that doesn't freak you out. <laughs> it freaks me out now that you said that. <laughs> to me. Oh, man. This, this is one sexy conversation. <laughs> Oh, gosh. We oh, should have geez. had a drink before this. So this kind of though looks like they built it in PowerPoint, and I mean, it's fine. I would, if you showed me the word justified in a normal setting, not on this album, and asked me if it was on the album, I would not remember that that's what it looked like. Yeah. I remember that he looks like that, and he's kind of in front of this dark and stormy desert. Remember that? For some reason, I don't remember that justified logo. Now I will forever, but... I feel like all his other albums, I remember what the album name looks like and the yeah. artwork a little bit more. Yes. Um, and I think he got more artsy and advanced. This is clearly a first solo album cover. 2002 Photoshop job. His face looks great, though. He does. So, best lyric. You told us yours earlier. Drums. Drums. <laughs> Which I love. And then the drums start. It's funny that that is your favorite lyric because mine is also a spoken word lyric. And it's from Senorita. Gentlemen, good night. Ladies, good morning. Yeah, like, I love that. <laughs> so stupid. But the fact that he did spoken word lyrics, you remember them? Yes. They have impact. And you say them along every time. And you say them along. You can't they not. stick in your brain. Yep. He sounds sexy saying them. Yeah, he does. You, I don't know what you're doing to me, Justin, but it does. It still makes me giggle. I'm like, oh, <laughs> good morning, Justin. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't believe you said that. <laughs> Let's talk about the next category. Who is the forgotten man? So who or what was involved with the making of Justified that everybody kind of forgets about? I can start. And it, it can be a thing, a man, a woman. It can be just a, just an entity, a part of the album that everybody kind of forgets was really important to the album. My Forgotten Man is Michael Jackson. He turned down Rock Your Body, which ended up on Justified. He and turned down responsible Gone. for YouTube. Yeah, exactly. I think Justin, even though I don't think he grew up listening to Michael Jackson that much, I think Michael Jackson has had such an impact on Justin Timberlake as a performer. Because you can see a lot of similarities between the two. Michael Jackson was the king of pop and Justin has been called the prince of pop. Like he is kind of his predecessor. And I think a lot of that comes out on Justified in a really cool way. You can hear the beats that Michael Jackson would probably use. You can hear that falsetto that Michael Jackson used. Like there are a lot of parts of Justin that that harken back to Michael Jackson. That's a good one. And I, after I learned about Justin writing a song for Michael Jackson, I started to hear Michael Jackson in a lot of the songs, or I could picture him singing them or, or getting the, the same vibe and feeling as Michael Jackson songs. Um, I think I was just totally unaware of Pharrell's involvement in this album, um, which was really cool. And, and I think became more obvious once I found out which songs he helped produce or write, uh, that it was obvious he was involved in them. And I don't think I would have assumed that automatically without you telling me that or, or me finding out about that looking up stuff. 
but that's a great yeah. one. I agree completely with that. And he has his hands in a lot of things that end up being humongous hits like this, like NERD, like his solo career. He's just, he's very multi-talented as well. I agree. Um, so so he like and that. JT go together well. Yeah, they do. So that's justified. Let's talk about our top Justin Timberlake moments because he is more than just a solo artist and a musician. He is freaking hilarious and a great actor in my eyes. Um, good dresser. Talk about that a little bit. But what would you say are a couple of your top JT moments throughout the years? So I, I love JT's performance of I Love Sports at the ESPYs in 2008. Uh, just him sharing everything that had gone on that year in sports, what he loves about sports in general, what we love about sports in general. I haven't um, seen this. Does he sing it? He sings it. It's kind of a spoken sang song, but there's there's so much going on in the background, so much performance going on that there... I, uh, one part comes to my mind. I think that was when Tony Romo and uh, Jessica Simpson were dating and like they're dancing around on stage behind it. There's just so many characters on the stage, like acting out what he's singing to the crowd. seen such balls since NBA dudes wore short shorts. And I think because I like him that he's into sports, you know, he plays golf and he's in pro-ams all the time or involved in golf tournaments, which I like when celebrities are into golf since I'm into golf. Um, but he likes sports in general. He's always been a, a basketball fan and a football fan and is think the fact that he's using his talents to talk about sports is cool and merging music with sports. Uh, so you'll definitely have to check it out. It's very entertaining. Um, I, as I mentioned before, the fact that he and Janet Jackson are responsible for YouTube being created. I hope he got a part of that company. <laughs> They're like, here, we came up with this idea because of you. Please invest because they sold it for, you know, over a billion dollars to Google. So oh my God. hopefully he... Not that he needs money, but he's responsible for it. One of my favorite things that Justin Timberlake does is when he's on TV, like when he when he used to star in SNL and like host SNL, uh, his bromance with Jimmy Fallon is adorable, and I think they're so funny together. Like the Camp Winnipesaukee sketches where they sing songs and they're like super nerdy campers. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, it makes me laugh so hard. What the heck is all this racket? I thought I told you. He that. just does, that's, a, that's another example. He just merges music into a funny way to reach more people. Yes, and he and Jimmy Fallon can both sing really well. So they harmonize all the time in like a joking manner, but it sounds legitimately good. Yeah. And that's even like the Barry Gibb talk show. Did you ever see that on SNL? That's one of my favorite sketches. It's 
it's Jimmy Fallon as Barry Gibb of the Bee Gees, and Justin Timberlake plays Robin Gibb, his brother, who's also in the Bee Gees. It just makes me laugh every single time. And their chemistry on screen is is one of the best like comedy duos I think that SNL ever had, at least. And then one of the best duos that I, I think I've seen in, in my lifetime. Um, I don't know if a lot of people will agree with that because I think there are a lot of like anti-Jimmy Fallon SNL like hardcore fans, but their chemistry on and off the screen and their friendship feels really genuine. feels so genuine, yeah. Yeah. And it's hilarious. Justin Timberlake studied acting for a while. Well, he's been in a couple of movies, too. Yeah. Um, he was in The Social Network about Facebook. He played Sean Parker, the founder of Napster. He was in um, Inside Lewin Davis, which is a great movie. He was in Model Behavior on Disney Channel. <laughs> Nerd alert! Well, we didn't even talk about him, which I know you did in your intro, him being in the Mickey Mouse Club. Oh, yeah. Mickey Mouse Club. Star Search. The guy has been performing his whole life. Yeah. I think he's done such a good job with reinventing and getting better at multiple instruments and being on the TV screen and just being a generally really well-rounded performer. And I think the performers that are interested in understanding what makes the whole performance and what goes into making the entire production they create the best experience for fans and that's when you're you know you're going to be around the longest um the fact that he knows how to play instruments he knows how to produce music he knows how to be an entertainer that's what's going to keep you relevant and around forever and exciting and interesting to as many fans as possible well, thank you so much, Hannah, for being on the Radio Gaga podcast today. I hope you had fun. I did. Thanks for inviting me. This is just like how we talk to each other normally. <laughs> we just talk to each other about really racy lyrics all the time. We do. It's not weird. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining me today. The Radio Gaga podcast comes out weekly, so be sure to subscribe and look out for next week's episode. Our album next week is Give Up by the Postal Service. So be sure to listen to Give Up this week and tune in again next Tuesday. Until then, you can visit RadioGagaBlog.com for more album reviews and follow me at Radio Gaga Blog on Instagram. See you back here next week.